Right, we are in the Gospel of John this morning. We'll be in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. You may have heard it before. Uh, I have a, a sense uh, in our culture, uh, just things, things uh, that you sort of pick up on as you just sort of navigate life in our world. And we live very much in a sort of uh, a post-Christian culture. And part of the effects that this is having on our society as a whole is a sense of a right and wrong and uh, the moral compass. And we get a sense, if you, if you look at surveys, um, we may or may not be any more immoral than we were before, but our sense is always that things are worse than what they were. Um, survey after survey will show that people continually have a negative look at how things are going. And so uh, I, I, look at, I look at society and I, I think that I agree with what the surveys are saying, that, yeah, things seem to be getting worse. And one of the things that I've picked up on is a sense of, uh, of condemnation. That uh, one of the worst things that we can do is condemn someone and be judgmental is the perception. And uh, one, of the, one of the tricky things of that is, is that if everything is A-OK and no one is in the wrong, then I think, and if you're, if you're picking up what I'm trying to say, if, if there's nothing wrong with society, if there's nothing to condemn or you can't condemn it, then are we really going to have ears to hear the beauty of John 3.16? What I'm saying is, is when we speak of God's love, do we really have the ears to hear how profound and wonderful it is that God sent His one and only Son to the world to redeem and save it? If it doesn't, it, it no longer holds its meaning and substance and beauty. If the world that Jesus came to save, there's nothing wrong with it. That if we go around thinking, what's there to condemn, you can just live as you please. But the picture that we get from John 3.16 is a world that's completely broken. And that uh, Jesus is sent into a world, if you would picture our, our world as a home, as a house to live in, it would be almost uninhabitable with the amount of suffering, with the amount of sin, with uh, the broken, uh, broken world that God entered into. When John 3.16 tells us that God sends his son into the world to save it, not to condemn it, he doesn't have to come and condemn it because it's condemned already. Hear me on this. The house has been ransacked. It no longer has insulation. It has a leaky roof. The copper wiring has been taken out of it. No one would want to live and dwell in this home. It stands condemned already. And so when God sends his son to seek and save the world, he's seeking to save a lost and hurting and broken world that stands in its own condemnation in its own sin, in its own brokenness, in its own suffering, in its own consequences of it. And so we need to have ears to hear today's message. From a familiar text in which you've, you've probably um, uh, memorized 
and you've probably had dwell on your heart for years and years and years. I want to revisit why it's so important to know that Jesus came and he's God's only son and that he came to seek and save and love and let us know that there's another way, that there's a way to eternal life. So I'd like to read John 3.16 and I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about what it means for us to believe in Jesus. Let's read our text. For God so loved the world he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I want us to pay particular attention for a moment to verse 19. This is John's assessment on the life and ministry of Jesus. He says, this is the verdict. Jesus came into the world, the Son of God came into the world to seek and save the lost, and here's the verdict. This is what it all came down to. The verdict is this. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. John is saying, Jesus came into the world and people are still rejecting him. And we'll look at the very end, and I read it already this morning. The whole purpose of John's message, the whole thing, the whole book is about this one thing. Would you believe in Jesus? Would you believe in him and put your trust in him? And so I actually wanted to ask the question, what does the word believe mean in John 3.16? I think if we surveyed the people this morning what the word believe means, I think we might get about five to ten different answers. Are you guys up for that? Do you want to have a little Q&A? What would you say the word believe means? I'm going to put people on the spot now. Dan, you're willing to talk in front of people. What does the word believe mean? Trust in. Okay, I like that. That's good. There's no wrong answers here. I'll just prove you wrong eventually. But, uh, Anybody else want to chime in? Rich, you're willing to talk in front of people. Dan took yours. Oliver, what does believe mean? Got anything? It's okay. I believe in you. It's to to think about someone. Something like that. Okay. To like... Do you expect something from them or like you trust them or that they can do something? Okay. All right. Very good, Oliver. Anybody else? Yes. Think it's true. To think it's true. All right. That's very good. Anybody else? 
Yes, Kim. Now you're stealing the sermon, Kim. <laughs> no, that's good. Actively putting your faith, carrying out your faith. The word believe uh, is so important to, uh, to our, our faith. And, and so I just wanted to take this morning to really hammer this thing home. Because everything rides on it. The word believe uh, is scattered throughout John's gospel. He says it's the very reason why uh, he's written all that he has and all the stories he's compiled together is so that people would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah. The word believe in Greek is pistis. The word for faith comes from the same Greek word, pistis. They have similar letters. They all, it's, it's all together. Believe and faith are the same word, but it's finds its nuances in how it's translated, and that's all I will say about that. There's this beautiful book called Salvation by Allegiance Alone. It's written by Matthew Bates, and he makes an argument uh, in large part of what is influencing my message this morning, that believing, there's more to believing than just thinking something to be true. When we talk about believing in something, it's like if we say, I believe in gravity, we, uh, I believe in gravity. I know it to be true. Uh, when I take a step, I will go down. And that's, you know, what, what goes up must come down. We have a sense of that. But believing is, knowing, is not just knowing something to be true, but that is an essential part of it. It's knowing it in your head that this is true. And so when we say we believe in Jesus Christ, We are saying with our minds, we believe him to be, we understand and know him to be the son of God. We know him to be the savior of the world. We know that he will come again and redeem and save us. We know that he uh, preached that the kingdom of God is at hand. We know that he was crucified and he was resurrected from the dead. These things we know and understand to be true. But is that all that there is to believing? So if you think about a whole person, to believe in Jesus Christ with your whole person, it's not just mental assent, thinking the right thing. There's also some other parts to it. How about your heart? I think your heart is involved in believing. And what I mean by heart is not just emotions. What I mean is the sort of things that we do. We put our hand over our heart and we swear to be true. What I mean by heart is loyal confession. To really believe something is not just to mentally affirm it, but to confess loyally and faithfully that Jesus is Lord and King. It's hand over our heart confessions that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. And I think it's it's the whole self. I think baptism is a confession of the Lordship of Jesus. To join with him in his death, burial, and resurrection to join with Jesus in his mission, to join with Jesus that we might have the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everything about baptism is about giving our whole heart, our whole selves, to believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. So if you're tracking with me, believing means you have your head in it, that you think the right things. 
that you have your heart in it, you have your sort of will, you have your volition, you have everything in you going for Jesus Christ. And then, just to keep the alliteration going, because I, I am a wannabe preacher, you have your head, you have your heart, you have your hands. You have obedience. That these things should be driving you. That if you are saying, Jesus Christ is Lord and King, Jesus is my Savior, Jesus is the one I'm living for, that you should actually carry these things out. And so you have your hands, your head, and your heart. And that's what is meant by believing. It's not just one thing, trusting. It's not just thinking the right thing. But it's our whole selves saying, giving our whole selves in allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's not just thinking something to be true, but having our head, our heart, and our hands all following together. Does that make sense? So let's do a little experiment. We have a three-legged stool up here. Wait, there's not one. There are four. There are literally four. It's behind the tree. All right. So a three-legged stool, it can't stand. Oh, it's all like, here we go. All right. I knew we had one. All right, so a three-legged stool. Any of you kids know what happens if you take one of the legs off? Do you guys know, Peyton? It would fall over, correct? Yes, right? Do you agree? Okay. So for a three-legged stool to stand, you need all three legs, obviously. When it comes to believing, you need to have all three components. I want you to think about the New Testament. How many times did Paul write a letter because we were missing one of the components of head, heart, and hand? Think about every time you look at one of the New Testament letters to the churches, and there was an instance where people weren't obeying, people weren't thinking the right things about Jesus' true identity. Think about the, the book of Hebrews. Like The whole thing is about this is who Jesus is. We need to understand how great and wonderful and amazing he is as the high priest, as the one who's ended all sacrifice. Think about uh, how they get so many things goofed up in the, in the book of Galatians about not understanding the law, but it's really rooted in our understanding of are we going to stay loyal to the old things or are we going to trust that there's a new gospel and there's something good in beholding that the righteousness of God is right in front of us. I think the New Testament is about wrestling and grappling with how much do we truly and fully believe with our head and our heart and our hands all that Jesus Christ is and was and does and what he's willing to do today. Don't ask me to say that again. I don't know if I could. But Jesus wants for our faith, for our belief, to be with our head and our hearts and our hands. That believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God, that we would have eternal life in Him, is a pledge of our devotion to Jesus Christ with our head, hands, and hearts. I think the whole New Testament is grappling with people trying to do the bare, bare minimum. Christianity is not simply about thinking the right thing. Christianity is not simply having the right feelings. Christianity is not reduced to the sum of the good things that you do. Christianity is a devotion to Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God and your Lord and Savior. It's trusting and knowing in your heart and in your head 
that Jesus has accomplished all things through the cross and the resurrection. It's devoting your life to his kingdom and his service and lovingly devoting yourself to him and emptying yourselves. It's denying yourselves and taking up your cross daily and following him. We say to one another as Christians, if you would just believe. And I don't think that when we say that, we're sending the right message always. Because I don't think we're giving it the full weight of what we're asking them to do. When we ask one another to simply believe in Jesus Christ, we're asking them to devote themselves wholly and completely to Jesus Christ. If you would believe in him, is to have your head and your heart and your hands and all of your whole self devoted to Jesus Christ as Lord and King and Savior. Does that make sense? So let's take that understanding of the word believe and let's go to John 20. It's a familiar passage. We like to dog on Thomas, the, uh, the apostle Thomas, We know him as Doubting Thomas, and we'll look at that scene here in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, after he showed them his hands and, and side, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In verse 24 there, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the, tw- uh, one of the twelve. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my into my side stop doubting and believe thomas said to him my lord and my god then jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed the story of of thomas seeing feeling the resurrected jesus christ is not, about, is not about us having to see and believe. Like, I, I'll, see, I'll believe it when I see it. That's not the story. I think the story is about loyalty. Think about Thomas when he says, the disciples tell him the story. Thomas, you won't believe it. Jesus, he appeared with us and he was there and and we were overjoyed at the fact, and he, he was telling us there's peace for us. And you know, can you imagine how excited the other guys were to say, we saw the resurrected Lord, and we believed in him, we put our trust in him, we put our loyalty in him, we, we understood. And Thomas is thinking, 
for me to give my loyalty, for me to give my entire life to this, for me to go forward the rest of the way, I'm going to have to see and touch and feel and know for sure on my own that that's what's going on. It's not about seeing that we might understand. It, it's For him, it's I need to see this and feel it and express it and know in my head and my heart that I might give my whole entire self to Jesus. And the reason why I think that that's what's going on is what he says. What does he say in response to when he sees Jesus? He confesses. He says, my Lord and my God. He confesses from his heart a declaration of loyalty to who he is and what he has just beheld. Jesus as the resurrected Lord and King. It's about believing. And Jesus says, it took me right here in the flesh for you to touch me and to know And to dedicate your life to me. But then he says something to every single one of us. Blessed are you. Blessed are each and every single one of you. Who give your lives in loyalty and love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Who haven't seen. But they know in their heads. And they confess in their hearts. And they go on obeying and loving and caring and ministering and giving and loving and caring who keep going every day, trusting and knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. Who remind one another every single day that God sent His one and only Son that who would ever give their loyalty and their love and their devotion, they would never perish, but they would have eternal life in the kingdom of God. And this son was sent into the world not to condemn it, but to save it, and to save you and me and have life in him. Jesus says, blessed are you, And friends, go and be a blessing. Be the church. And let others know that there is a son who has died for them. That they may have eternal life. Would you give your head? Would you give your heart? And would you give your obedience to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for your son. And God, you have shaped us to be your children, to be your church, to be a people who have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. And so often, God, we lose uh, sight of a part of believing. God, that... We think it's just enough to know the right thing. Or God, that we at one time in our life said that you are our Lord, but we keep going in a different direction. So God, when we say 
Help us to believe we join the Father who put his trust and his devotion to you, who asked, asked of Jesus to have his son healed. God, he said he believed, but he asked that you would help in his unbelief. And so, God, we ask that you would help us in ours. Help us for all of the moments where we're discouraged. Help us to see within our own walk, God, and our own hurts that you do love us and you care for us and you're present with us. Help us, God, in our disobedience not to stay in the darkness, but come to the light for your healing and your love, for the balm of your grace and your mercy upon us. God, let us not stand condemned with the world, but turn to you, trusting and believing and knowing, God, beyond a shadow of doubt, that Jesus is our Lord and King. God, we need you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I want to offer a simple challenge. And that's, would you share John 3.16 with someone who needs to hear it? And don't worry, you don't have to parse and nuance the, the Greek word pistis and give them a three-point sermon. Would you just let someone know that God sent his son into this world to seek and save us? The last I checked, the world was in desperate need of knowing that. Let's do our community and world a favor and offer them the hope of Christ. Let's stand and sing.